0: Welcome to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I am pleased to welcome my amazing friend and guest, Dr. Monica Krishnan. Dr. Monica is a clinical pharmacist with over 17 years' experience, as well as a mental health advocate and public speaker. At the young age of 35, Monica lost her husband to brain cancer she was faced with the reality of being a single mom to two babies. Today, 10 years later, Dr. Monica has used her practice of mindfulness and meditation from the teachings of Dr. Shafali and Roma Ketterpal as tools to help her, especially this past year in the pandemic as a single mom working on the front line. Dr. Monica tries to find balance today as a single mom to two teens, a pharmacist who is working on the front line in the fight against the pandemic, in running a home. Welcome, Monica. I'm exhausted just thinking of all that you're doing.
1: (laughs) Hi, Sue. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast. It's an honor to be here.
0: Well, I think you have so much to share. And I'm going to start with taking you back 10 years ago. I can't even imagine how challenging that was to have the diagnosis of your husband and go through that whole process and the grief and the single parenting. Can you share a little bit of, you know, that experience and, and how challenging that was and what you learned about yourself through those times?
1: Yes. So um, my husband was diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer um, 10 years ago. Actually, I'm sorry, 12 years ago um and he battled for two years and then he passed away in 2011. Um, It was such a emotionally exhausting time in my life because at that time I had I was currently working at UCLA Medical Center as a clinical pharmacist but I quit my job to be a full-time caretaker to him and our babies at that time were one in three as well. So just juggling um, his full-time healthcare needs. And, you know, I feel like that's honestly the time my single parenthood journey began. Because he could no longer contribute to parenting. And so I was mom and dad and healthcare provider to him. Um, It was such a dark time in my life. Um, He passed away in 2011. And now I was abruptly pushed into the role of single parenthood, Um, mom and dad to my two girls. And at that time, I did not have a job because I had quit my job. So here I am, single parent no job and just trying to find my place in this scary world, all alone um, with two babies. Um, So yeah, that was 10
0: years ago. Wow. And, and I haven't known you for quite that, quite that long. However, the last few years and what I've seen uh, from you is just a tower of strength and incredible heart and just beauty showing up in the world so i'm curious because i can't imagine in 2011 you know you were feeling like a tower of strength you know as you said it was abrupt it was challenging and you know a dark place of course what has been some of the uh, i want to call them secrets but um things that you have been able to learn about yourself that has helped you through this dark place of you know, abruptly becoming a single parent, losing the one you love and the father to your children, and then being there for your children as well through the grief, their own grief, as well as yours.
1: Yeah. So, you know, like you mentioned, I'm a huge advocate for mental health. And the biggest reason I became an advocate for mental health is because not only as a clinical pharmacist did I help patients, but I now had become the patient. I was dealing with grief and depression and my kids had to go to therapy. Um, I went to therapy counseling and I did this for many years. And at one point I was on medication because I needed the help. Um, and I think it's a, um, a bunch of different things over the past, probably the first five to seven years after Sadisha's death, it was, exercising. I joined a gym, so that really helped me mentally, Um, even though I would find myself crying while I'm working out. um, I, like I mentioned, would go to uh, weekly, monthly therapy sessions. I joined a grief counseling group where I got to meet other women um, who were my age and were going through the same thing. I had put my children um, and this is one of the most important things I did. I put my children into um, support uh, therapy for children um, and it was through art therapy, you know, and the kids were really little. My, my youngest was only three and my oldest was five when Sadish passed away. So my three-year-old didn't really understand what it was, what was going on, but my five-year-old did. She was having a really tough time. So The first couple years was really making sure that the kids were okay, getting them the right care, putting them through therapy, and then focusing on myself. And um, it's been a journey for about, I would say, a total of seven years of all of this stuff and getting to a place where I can say I'm truly on the other side now and using what I have gone through, the pain and now turning it into something of service to help others who may be going through this or have gone through this.
0: Mm. I love how you're talking about turning it into service because these last seven years, I imagine, have taught you so much about yourself through all the uh, facets that you've engaged in to support yourself and your family through these really dark times. What is what is the one thing that you have learned? I'm sure there's lots of things about yourself. If you had to share one s- thing that mm-hmm. you've taken away from the experience um, in terms of you know growth, what would that be? Resilience. Hmm. I didn't think that
1: I would have the resilience to, to be here 10 years later. Um, I didn't ha- think I had the strength to do it all. You know, and of course, it takes a village, and I have this amazing village behind me, my parents, my good friends' um support system. But I didn't never I could have never imagined that ten years later I'd be this strong to talk about openly my grief, my mental health struggles, um, and the resilience that one has to get over such a such a horrible experience
0: and sadly we don't know what we have until we're oftentimes until we're faced with something that does take us to the darkest place in our life where we have to find that resilience that strength that ability to carry on and that's where we learn is in the dark places and the pain to to really see ourselves under a microscope, it takes a long time, it sounds like. And uh, I mean, I, you know, certainly parts of this I can understand, not the loss, but uh, the loss in a marriage in a different way, which um, from my own experience, I can remember thinking, you know, I, I, can't, I can't go on, you know, life is over. And obviously, you know, it's not relatable to exactly what you're talking about here in terms of loss and death. But we're faced with pain in so many different ways. And it certainly does, when we're open, help us to learn more about ourselves. So just by sharing this today here, and I know that you have shared a lot of the things that you've experienced, you know, in lots of different places, but just by sharing this today, this is service. This is service, helping people see that they can survive too. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Absolutely. And often when I speak, um, especially coming from an Indian culture, um, and I hate to use the word widow, because that's not my label, even though society likes to put that label on you. I like to change that word widow to warrior. And often when I speak um, publicly about this topic, I let women or men know that you are worthy, you are still worthy to move on with your life, you know and and I think a lot of that wisdom is when I was introduced to the work of Dr. Shafali in 2018 um, from my really good friend Dr. Gandhi um, is when I saw a shift in my thinking like oh my gosh, Monica, you are still worthy. you are still worthy to do what you want to do and do not let society label you, as that word on that stupid checkbox that you have to fill out when you're filling out paperwork. No, you are still Monica. You are still Dr. Monica. You are still authentic you. And, um, and I have to say, that's the the, the wisdom that I am still learning from Dr. Shafali, and the, the, the introduction of the, the whole world of practicing mindfulness through the work of Roma Ketrapal Um, and just uh letting people know that you still matter.
0: Mm. And we have a hard enough time with worthiness anyway in our society, but you know, definitely through the experiences and and the trauma and uh loss that you have had, it brings it more to a surface. I love the word warrior. And you are, you are a warrior for sure. Thank you. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about your practices that ha- that you've learned over the last few years. You've talked about Shivali and Roma, and share how you've incorporated these into your life to help you live a more mindful and and conscious experience.
1: Absolutely, you know I think um, when you are dealing with grief and death and loss. Um, and it happens to somebody like myself at a young age, and you don't hear about something like this happening to other young women, Um, it was really, really hard for me because I felt alone and isolated in the early days. And when I really started to understand the wisdom through the works of Dr. Shefali, um, I realized that it just is. It just is. And that's her famous quote that she would always, you know, talk when she's talking about her wisdom. It just is that this happened to Satish. It just is that this happened to Monica, Anjali, and Anya. And I think that gave me a whole different outlook that this is just the circle of life. It it happened. And I stopped questioning, like, why me? which is what I did for a very long time. And and I think with the work of mindfulness and meditation, and I've been practicing religiously, like on a daily basis, and taking weekly classes with Roma, is learning more to be in the present moment. Because truthfully, we all know that, we don't know what can happen tomorrow to any of us, right? Um, and that's the beauty of living in the present moment, enjoying. Today, enjoying what I'm doing today. Today I'm enjoying talking to Sue on her podcast. Today I'm going to enjoy taking Anjali and Anya out for lunch after school. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. And um the practice of meditation has really helped me just balance everything, you know. And like you mentioned, I am mother and father. I am the only financial provider for my family. I am The only one running the house. And I am a frontline healthcare provider in this pandemic. So it is through my practice of meditation. I try to practice meditation every day, seven days a week, um, 20 minutes on the days that I have to go into work. And then I'm up to about an hour of meditation um, on my days off. And I look forward to it because that's my Monica time. And that's my time to sit in stillness, and just quiet my mind, because my mind is constantly do this, do that, do this, do that. And um,
0: it has really changed my life. Mm. Wow, and what what a beautiful gift for you to see that time that's Monica's time, you know, time for you, we don't often carve out that time in life to appreciate that moment, the stillness, ourselves, honoring ourselves, being with ourselves, you know, all the things that you mentioned. And I I also have to not strongly agree that this is the only moment that we have. And certainly your experience shows us that tomorrow's not a given. But, you know, where we are today is showing us that as well in the experiences worldwide with the pandemic. And everything that we all have all been through in the last year in, you know, losing people and and whatnot, no day is a given, only the moment that you're in. And so I love how you talk about just enjoying it. We can't worry about what comes next because the worry doesn't serve us. It doesn't help the process and it can't change what tomorrow will be. Because Absolutely. it is what it is, as you said. <laughs> it just is. It is the as is of the situation. I think that, that's uh, definitely Shafali. Yes. So to those that are listening that may have experienced loss recently or you know, perhaps in, in years past and are struggling and trying to find their way, what advice or suggestions do you have for them that might be very helpful for them to take forward?
1: So, you know, there's no um, specific way to deal with grief. Everyone has their own way. There's no timetable. For some people, it can take five years, 10 years, 15 years. And I often say grief is something you never get over, right? It it stays with you till the very end. Um, You just learn to coexist with it. You learn to walk alongside life with it. So I often tell people, And the advice I would give to the audience is give yourself grace, just getting up in the morning and doing your daily routine and getting out of the house. You're doing, you're doing the best you can. You don't need to solve everything in one day. Um, So give yourself grace and pat yourself on the back that you are doing the best you can at that very moment. Um, Seek help. You know, I often felt kind of like, oh, my gosh, I felt ashamed at times asking for help. But then I turned that around and I'm like, you know what? Asking for help is a sign of bravery. You know, ask that friend for help. Ask that relative for help. Seek help from a therapist if you need to go speak to a therapist. Help can be in many forms and it's okay to ask for help. And make time for yourself. Like I make time to spend time with my girlfriends and, or meditate or go for a walk or, you know, whatever you need to do for your own self care. Because we play so many roles, um, especially as parents, and we give, 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 give to others. We have to be able to fill our own cup before we can fill others.
0: Mm. I love that. I love that. That's so, I mean, making time for ourselves, the me time is so important. But one of the other things that you said about grace, because many of us don't have grace period, you know, we're very hard on ourselves. We expect a lot from ourselves, just getting up, especially, you know, if you're knee deep in, in, in the dark, you know, and have just lost somebody just getting up out of bed in the morning, isn't that something to celebrate? Isn't that something to pat yourself on the back? You know what? You got up. You changed your clothes. Like the littlest thing I imagine can help to acknowledge that you've been able to do in life as you're in that, you know, time of, of darkness. Absolutely. And then the, you know, grace continues to grow. But I think in life, we don't give ourselves enough credit for anything in our lives. We're always looking to do something better or more or add more to the to-do list instead of just appreciating every little thing that we do. I try to teach that throughout the world and practice it myself. It's not an easy, it's not easy. You know, one thing that Roma
1: taught me was this early in the pandemic, part of her mindfulness teaching was to have a picture of ourselves so I have a picture of myself in the area where I meditate and once a day I'll look at that picture and I'll say good job Monica for today whatever I would have done even if I didn't do much you're a rock star Monica so it sounds kind of silly but it's so powerful because you are acknowledging yourself because you know we're constantly giving to others, and we don't need other people to validate us. But that self-validation, like high five to yourself,
0: or say good job to
1: yourself—that's
0: all you need. Mm. We can be our own best cheerleader. I love I, as you start to talk about that picture. I smile from ear to ear, thinking, mm-hmm. "How great is that to look at yourself in a picture, or even a mirror?" Yeah, and and just say something positive is, can be just so encouraging, so energy filling and um, help us to move forward with the next step, whatever that might be. I love that. What a brilliant idea. And I think that's another thing that many people can take away today in trying to bring forward that acknowledgement, that grace, that understanding that we are doing the best we can each and every day, every minute of the day no matter where you are in your experiences in life.
1: 100%. Absolutely. 100%.
0: So where can people find you, learn more about you? Please share your Instagram uh, uh, handle because your videos there are amazing.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. You know, I have been off social media for a very long time. And honestly, I just started social media when the pandemic began to do medical videos. And then I launched um, uh, through the pharmacy podcast network. I began um, a mental health series um, that I helped create. So I it's only been a year since I really started actively using social media. So yes, you can find me at um, Dr. Monica FarmD. Um, That is the only um, social media platform. Instagram is the only social media platform I currently use. Um, And then you can find um, a bunch of my public um, speaking engagements um, in my link in bio. Um, And my first podcast episode that I had done was in 2018 called Smashing the Stigma. And that's an introduction to when I went through my um, mental health, my depression, Um, And that's when I was introduced to the work of Dr. Shefali. So that you can find in my link in bio. But yes, that's where um, you can find my work.
0: And your work is awesome. I love what you share. I'm a huge fan on Instagram. And you just bring a smile to my face every time I see you. So thank you for what you do in this world. And and just for what you bring out and sharing so vulnerably and really helping people uh, to find their way.
1: Thank you so much. yeah. I think, um, you know, this pandemic has taught all of us, um, you know, so much. and we are truthfully in the largest mental health crisis that the world has ever seen. And just seeing not only as a clinical pharmacist day to day, you know what what I'm seeing as far as patients, but just seeing all the um mental health talks just on social media and And the spreading of awareness um, just brings a lot of passion to me. Just, you know, being able to openly talk about something that there's such a huge stigma around and bringing awareness because, truthfully, mental illness can happen to any of us. It can happen to ourselves, it can happen to one of our children, it can happen to a loved one. Um, So I think it is something that really. speaks to me and uh, just puts me in fire to want to do more in this field of
0: medicine. It's awesome. And I'm sure you'll continue to be inspired to do more. I'm sure of it. We'll have to keep our eyes out uh, for all that you share as you move forward and continuing on this path.
1: Thank you so much, Sue.
0: Thank you. Thanks for joining. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.